Hello and uh, welcome back to Pro Tip. Um, today we're excited to chat with John Horford. Uh, John uh, has played Division One basketball, NCAA basketball for the Michigan Wolves. Uh, he's played four years in the G League with Grand Rapids Drive, uh, as well as the Cleveland Charge. Uh, he played professionally in Dominican Republic as well as Belgium. He's also the founder of the Blueprint Athletes app. Um, and uh, he's passionate about coaching basketball to, to kids aspiring to grow their game. Um, super excited to have you here, John. Welcome. Um, John, we'll jump right into it, um, and we'll we'll kind of explore your, uh, I guess, basketball journey uh, and how you got started. So, what what got you into basketball? First, I just want to say, um, Michigan Wolverines. I feel like there are people that will get upset about it. Oh, sorry, what did I say? You're good, Michigan Wolves. You're good. Oh man, okay, no, yeah, yeah I even yeah, had, I, I even wrote down Wolverines, and um, yeah, I don't know why I went yeah. with Wolves. Yeah, no, that yeah, will be bad. No. <laughs> I will get oh. I will get uh, hate mail for sure. <laughs> exactly. So I just want to you know clear that. Wolverines, up. my bad. Oh, that was yeah. a camera freeze moment. I think there. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Um, yeah. So my basketball journey started. Um, I don't know, quite different than a lot of people who are fortunate enough to you know play on the levels that I was you know lucky enough to play on. I don't really love basketball to start, but I come from a basketball family. Um, yeah. So it was kind of one of those things where I was kind of forced to play. Um, I didn't really, I was basically a bench warmer from, you know, second grade till I got to high school. Yeah. Wanted to quit, didn't really love it. And then, um, you know, was fortunate enough to, you know, finally get to the point where I was so good that coaches couldn't kind of like deny it or keep me on the bench or whatever it is. And I, I think my upbringing actually is one of the reasons why I was so passionate about training and mentoring and working with kids to develop them because youth sports is so toxic in so many ways. And, you know, people are trying to win like NCAA championships in fourth grade. And it's like, <laughs> calm down. Like yeah. you need to make it fun for these kids. You need to give all these right. kids opportunities to, to grow and get better. And, you know, build their confidence, be able to, you know, work with other people, but people focus so much on the winning. So, it, you know, as soon as I got to Michigan, um, that next summer, I started coming back to my hometown and, uh, you know, just training any kids that wanted to train for free just to provide them with opportunities that I know would have made a world of difference to me and just trying to kind of help coaches in the area to shift their mentality. You know, they're making it all about winning by any means, not about, you know, developing good, fundamentally sound athletes and creating a fun environment that's going to keep kids engaged and keep them playing for a long period of time versus how many kids quit because they have a horrible experience when they're in elementary yeah. school or middle school. So many. Yeah. And that's coaching. And that's coaching. And that's creating negative cultures that, aren't welcoming and don't provide everyone with, you know, equitable opportunity. So I guess um, I'm, I'm going to shift around in my questions here because I think you touched upon so many good, good uh, points there. But uh, what at what point in your career did you start thinking that, you know what, I could be that difference when it came to coaching that 
you know, that can provide this different voice to kids and, and bring, uh, you know, allow them to have the joy uh, of playing the sport. Because, I mean, from what you're, you're saying, you kind of went in where you were forced to play and the joy wasn't necessarily there for you at an early age. Uh, at what point did that shift happen for you where it's like, you know what, it wasn't there for me, but I can, I can make it happen for other kids. I think it was kind of always there. Cause I mean, even in high school, we would, you know, we'd have to coach at kid camps and rep kids and do all this stuff. And I'm telling these kids my story. I'm on the team. I'm the one who's getting all the division one scholarships and, you know, and all state and all that. So it's just like, Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like you're great. I'm like, yeah, don't focus on that. I was like, I was like you or worse than you. I was like, you guys play on your team. Yeah. I play. I was like, dude, I literally didn't get off the bench for like right. a decade. Like not right. at all. Like barely like if we're up by like 30 and just trying to get kids and coaches, more importantly, coaches. I mean, cause it's up to the coaches to play these kids and create these environments. Like, Give people opportunities. Stop looking at it as I need to win. No one cares that it's great. It's fun. You won your fifth grade championship. A lot of fun. Awesome. <laughs> but like at what cost? Five, six of the kids have the time of their life. The rest of the kids and parents, you know, they're not super engaged with it. And then you have kids that aren't going to come out for the team in the future. And then you get to high school and, you know, at least in some parts of Michigan right now, the talent has dropped so much and then the amount of kids coming out for teams i know there are teams in the lansing area where i'm at currently that they can barely field uh, freshman jv teams because the engagement's so low oh, with wow. the kids they don't want to come out for these teams but yeah. you created that negative experience when they were little and then you expect them to just stick with it because right you know not everybody's fortunate like you know i had a mentor and a trainer that worked with me through those years even when i wasn't playing and if it wasn't for them i would have quit not every kid has that, you know, not every kid has that support system. So without it, it's so hard to keep a kid going on that path. So I knew, especially when I got to college, I'm like, I'm going to come back every summer. I'm going to train my, I'm going to like, I train, but then after I train any kid that wants to come in and get free training and I've done it for 12 years now, right? Any kid that wants to come get free training, come train for free, come to the gym, I'll open it up. I'll show you how to play. I'll get you ready. And, you know, my thing is I'll take any kid, the kid who can't, you know, walk and dribble or the kid that's already really good. But most of the kids that have come to my come through my program and just have worked with me have been the kids that had a high drive to, you know, be successful in basketball. but didn't really get the opportunities or, you know, weren't the best. Um, you know, unfortunately, a bunch of them have gone on to, you know, make their teams, star on their teams, play college basketball. I mean, I have a number of kids playing college basketball right now that came from positions where, like, I have one kid who got cut his senior year. He's playing, uh, you know, junior college basketball. I have multiple kids playing, you know, Division two basketball. Um, I don't have any Division one kids right now. But like I said, most of my kids are kids that coaches told me, like, that kid probably won't even make varsity. And these right. kids are able to play on the college level now. I mean, it's just, like, incredible to me they were able to, you know, just see past that, buy into what I was telling them, and then just stay the course. I mean, it's the consistency and showing up day in and day out and allowing yourself to be bad. It's one of the hardest things for kids. Like, I mean, I've had so many kids, you know, just quit and, you know, some of them never come back, some of them do come back just because 
they're so bad in the beginning that they're embarrassed, even though we try to create an environment that like no one would laugh at these kids. Like I tell them all the time, I was like that kid that you see now, that's the best player here three years ago, that kid could not dribble from, you know, the top of the key to the basket if a defender was in front of him. And now that kid is crushing everybody and starting, you know, in one of the best leagues in uh, D2 in the States. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can you can do it. You just have to stick with it. And there's just a lot of growing pains associated with that. Yeah. So you actually touched upon, you know, what I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, what what makes a successful coach and what makes a successful student. So um, with the students, I think you mentioned, you know, the kids that stuck with it, they had the drive and like that, you know, desire to put in the work, stay the course, as you say, um, uh, and get better. And then the results started coming over time, right? Um what is it that, um, you know, from your coaching philosophy uh, that you, you feel allows them to kind of stick with it? Because are you, are you coaching them in games in other areas as well? Or is it mainly on the uh, practices and, um, uh, you know, the, the, the off-season work, if you will? Um, I, I focus mainly on development of kids. So just helping them to, um, you know, develop skills, um, develop relationships but then also to um, you know just develop these habits that I know will make them successful basketball players so that's my main focus I have coached some teams um, and fortunately the teams that I've coached have been you know successful and they've played well together I mean my philosophy with coaching is you know help kids to you know master these basic fundamentals and be able to play the game in an intelligent way. Um, you know, I've had coaches, I've had, you know, I've done hundreds, hundreds of basketball clinics and camps and things like that. And I coaches be like, you really just worked on layups for an hour. Can you do that? I was like, <laughs> we should have done it for three hours. Yeah, I was like, right. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, if your kids can't make, your kid can't make five wide open layups in a row, like, yeah. and then you're expecting them to get in the game and then you're freaking out when they're missing layups. It's like, no one's guarding them. It's like, you need to work on their balance, their footwork, their hand balance. You know what I mean? Their, yeah. their hand-eye coordination. Um, it, you, you have to, you have to just, it, it gets so repetitive, you know, but people forget because especially in today's era, you go to Instagram, it's like, oh, I want the sexy drill. You know, I want the, you know, the, the, the hezzies and the spin, <laughs> like fade away, blah, blah, blah. Like, sure, do all that stuff. But no, honestly, you know what works best? Like <laughs> high-level basketball. If you can catch and shoot really well, if you can catch and attack closeouts really well, and then if you get cut off, if you can just pass the ball really well and move the ball efficiently. Like, get really good at that, and you're, you'd be welcome on any team. Like, once you get to the higher levels especially – very few players are the, all right, let's go break them down. Like, not everybody can be John Morant or Jason Tatum or whatever. Like, most people are role players. So just getting right. kids to buy into being stars in their role, being really fundamentally sound. Like with my kids, we work on passing. Like, you need to be a great passer. Passing lowers turnovers, right? The team that turns the ball over the least amount, I mean, they give you more possessions, right? It's... You know, so more opportunities to score. Good passers also help you to score better because if I get a pass right at my chest, I can catch it on my yeah. hands and just go right into my shot. Great. If I have to reach far over to my left or my right, you know what I mean? Or if I'm yeah. wide open for a layup, but you throw it off my shin, 
<laughs> for over, and we just lost an easy scoring opportunity. Or, you know, right. similarly with being able to, you know, pivot and pivot through pressure. Like a lot of times, people think that, you know, oh, I need all these crazy moves. It's like if you honestly just learn to be strong and balanced and learn how to pivot through pressure, you can read the pressure just off feel. And if I feel this pressure like on my shoulder here, I know I can front pivot and finish on the other side. You know what I mean? So just learning all these little things like people overcomplicate the game. People always trying to be like, you know, you need 50 cones and slide cones and heavy <laughs> balls. And then when you go up, I'm going to swing this, um, I'm going to swing this giant foam roller thing at you and slide something under your feet and you're going to have to dodge that too. And it's just like, do these kids yeah. like, how is their, how's their balance? What's their, how's their ability to pass? How's their ability to pivot? How's their ability to just catch and shoot or just catch and attack closeouts? It's one of those things where it's like, it's like, oh man, I need to be able to break people down. I was like, dude, you want to break people down? Like when the defender is in a help position in between the ball and you, if you just catch it and attack right away versus catching it and allowing them yeah. to reposition and allowing the defense to shift and just attack, you're you gonna catch them on you're gonna you're gonna create disadvantages, especially if the defenders yeah. aren't disciplined. Which at the middle school and high school level, how many <laughs> how many teams are disciplined? They're not at all. Yeah. And then if they do yeah. shift yeah. over, pass it and repeat the process. Yeah. I promise you, you move the ball from side to side a few times, they're going to break down. So it's like, you'll find the, it's just being smart, being patient and trusting that playing the game in a simple, but calculated way is way more effective than just being able to break people down and hit all these crazy shots. Like you do all, let them do all that. You you tire yourself out. We're we're just going to play smart over here. How lo- how long does it take for you to kind of have those breakthrough moments with kids where they can kind of leave out the brainwashing they've seen on Instagram and kind of buy into this philosophy of like fundamentals will help me get better, right? Um, it just depends on the kid. I mean, it depends on how often they they wanna they wanna show up and work. It depends on. Um, you know, some kids have more natural ability than other kids. Some kids are just more coordinated. Some kids just pick things up quicker. Yeah. Um, no matter how you teach it to them, um, it's inevitable. But I haven't had a kid ever that stuck with it consistently for at least six months. And when I say consistently, you got to be working out at least like probably like three times a week minimum. Yeah. I've never had a kid that couldn't pick it up. Um, they, they can all pick it up eventually. It's just, you know, um, I, I ask are my they kids put all in the, the time. time. Yeah, you got to change your habits or change your goals, right? Right. One of those two things has to change. So kids are kids come to me all the time. Like even now, like I'm working, for example, I'm working with um, some players at a, a school in Lansing Eastern. They're historically a pretty good basketball school, but last year I think they won like two or three games. Um, so they have about four or five players on their team that if those kids were disciplined, if they trained consistently just based on their height and athleticism, they could all be Division One players, like just an amazingly talented team. And then if they took academics, uh, you know, more seriously, because I think four of the five kids weren't academically eligible last year. That I'm just like these kids could absolutely play Division One. One's a senior, four juniors, and um, it's it's one of those things where you know they didn't have, they haven't had success. 
so they have a little bit of a, but they still are a little bit delusional because they don't think that they need to show up consistently to train. They think it's enough to just show up once or twice and sometimes just go through the motions. I'm like, that's totally fine. You just want to be mediocre high school players and have fun with your, have fun with your friends. If that's your goal, awesome. That's totally fine. But don't tell me that you want to play Division One basketball and then show up to work out once a week. Like one of the guys took like the last two weeks off and then showed up to a workout two days ago and was just like winded after the warm-up, just huffing and puffing. He's like, oh, it's so hot in this gym. That's why I'm like this. I'm like, dude, it has nothing to do with that. I was like, have you worked out for the last 10 days? He was like, no. I was like, you can't take 10 days off working out and then come into the gym and expect to like be fresh and good to go. It's like, it just doesn't work like that. Like you have to have a, you, you have to be able to set realistic expectations. So you got to change your habits and show up consistently, push yourself past your limits, pay attention to details, or you have to change your goals. Stop telling me you want to be, I'm going to treat you according to your goals. You tell me you want to be a Division One player. I'm going to treat you like a Division One player. And none of them put in the time that a Division One player needs to put in. None of them. Um, but that's super common with kids all the time. I mean, I run into kids. Um, I mean, I've been doing this for you know 12 years. So, and I run into kids all the time. It's like, oh man, you know, you were so right. Like, I don't know why I didn't listen to you when you were telling me about in seventh grade and eighth grade that. You know, I thought it was going to be enough. I thought Tom Izzo was just going to come off of me a scholarship. I'm like, dude, I don't know why. Like, stats aside, because stats aren't the reason necessarily why people get scholarships. It helps. But it's a coach being able to see that you can contribute to winning. Like, you impact teams in a positive way on such a level that you would benefit our college program. So it's not always, like, stat-based, but... I mean, some of these kids, it's like you, you can average 20 points a game in high school and still not be recruited to play college. Right. The way that you play won't benefit a team, won't benefit, team. you know, a, a college system. You know what I mean? Whereas I've seen guys average, you know, eight, ten points. You know, they rebound the ball well, they pass the ball well, they defend, they communicate, they're in the right positions, they, you know, have hands up every time someone shoots it to affect every shot. Um and I've seen those kids get scholarships, you know. I've seen kids that didn't play. Like I said, I had two kids, actually, two kids a couple of years ago that did not play their senior year. One was benched their senior year. One was cut from the team their senior year that both are playing college basketball right now just because they kept working and they played AU and then they got looks off AU. I mean, there are opportunities out there. But you have to be, you know, tough enough to, to stay the course. Do you think with some of those kids, it's that they were maybe uh, natural t- uh, athletes when they were younger and were kind of approaching it middle school, high school, and then kind of coasting on that a little bit? Sometimes it's that. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's that. A lot of times it's just, I, I swear, it's it's a lot of it's parents. Okay. Um, parents will feed a delusion into a kid's okay. head. And one style basketball. It's just crazy. Or that they don't have to change or that they're God's gift. And like I had one kid, for example, that I trained. Really, really talented kid, really hard worker, but horrible attitude. He got kicked off his high school team. Then he went to prep. He got kicked off his prep team. Uh, um, And then he went to, he's playing in an AI school, full scholarship right now. And he got to spend his first game for fighting again. Like, it just oh, yeah. like I'm like, dude, you have to treat your teammates with respect. Like there are fights.
fights, but like at, right. at some point you argue, you push each other, like that stuff happens, but you know, you can't, you know, be throwing you punches at your teammates like, all the time. You can't, yeah. you, sometimes people will take it too far. That stuff does happen, but when it happens every single where, every single like place that you go, like you're the issue. And I've, I've been telling that kid since he was a freshman, I was like, dude, yeah. your attitude and the way you treat your teammates is going to get you in trouble. And I've been telling him that since he was like 14 and he's 20 now and he's still doing it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but the, a lot of times the parents feed into that. Like, oh, you know, don't worry, it'll be disrespect to you. You take care of that. It's like, you know how you take care of it? Ignore that, play to the best of your ability and, you know, make the most of the opportunities that you're given and then let everything else take care of itself. So it's just... Yeah. I, I was going to ask before I hand off to Chris, uh, two more questions regarding uh, coaching. And I guess, who were your biggest coaching influences? You mentioned you had mentors uh, and coaches, uh, you know, going through high school or uh, grade school, but who, who would you say was the biggest influence that shaped your thinking to where it is now? Um, two. So I would say there are two. So just for general, like, being there for kids, helping kids, um, all that and the way and the reason I do it, the way that I do it, you know, for free is because I had a trainer and a mentor who trained me for free when I was growing up. He worked with a bunch of people. He worked with my older brother, Al, plays with the Celtics now. Uh, he trained uh, Saudi Washington. He's one of the assistant coaches at Michigan. He went to Western Michigan. He trained a bunch of us. And, um, you know, he was a huge influence on me getting into this world and just providing opportunity for people and just, you know, seeing the benefit that that can have on a life. You know, I got my undergrad paid for it, got my master's paid for it. I've been able to play professional basketball without him. I probably wouldn't be in that position. Um, and then just in terms of my like philosophy and attention to detail, like increased attention to detail and all that, I would say, you know, John Beeline from Michigan, um, former Michigan coach had a big influence on the way that I, I looked at all of the little things. Um, just because I, I saw the benefit that I could have, you know, even at the college level. I mean, he made us go through things that, you know, fifth grade coaches would be like, our, our team doesn't need to practice that. And he would make us practice that, you know, even after went to Big Ten championships, went to a national championship game, and then we get back to practice. It's like, all right. It's like, all right, step and catch passes. All right, let's pivot through pressure. And like, you know what I mean? All these things that's just like, oh, it's so basic. But that repetition and you know doing it consistently just keeps your mind um, sharp keeps your skills sharp and it's just a it, it, it's emphasizing that this matters this is important taking care of the ball um, you know and, and being smart and putting, putting yourself in positions to have success is uh, it is critical to being able to, to win and wear down your opponents yeah yeah it sounds like your philosophy is very much like the, the bread and butter of the of the sport is really important to get you know not nail the fundamentals like be a good team player and then you know if you can handle that then you can work on being like a superstar right it seems exactly like you gotta get that build your foundation build your foundation yeah. like if you can't make basic layups stop trying to do euros stop trying to work on you know spin <laughs> pump big step throughs like yeah you know, build it up gradually. I mean, and that was the idea behind the blueprint, you know, I mean, and he's worked on it for a long time together. It's just 
it's showing people how to do that. The, yeah. the, and the tough thing always is that, you know, even offering free in-person training where kids don't have to, like, I've never charged my kids that come to me. Like I've had some private clients that are like, Hey, we drive, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, uh, you know, each way to come train my kid privately. Like that's different. But like any kid who's ever come to Lansing to any of the facilities that I train out of, they don't pay for the facilities. They don't pay for the training. They don't pay for anything. And even then, getting kids to show up consistently, I mean, I've had, you know, a few dozen kids over the years that have shown up consistently, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds have come through. But how many stick with it? Very, very few. Very, very few. So getting people to use an app, you know, is very difficult for training. It's very difficult. Like, even when you have a trainer there, showing them everything, walking them through it, it's difficult. So getting kids to like follow it, but it, it's there, it's there. And we still do, we have people using it all the time. I have coaches using it. Um, and there are people who get better, you know, a bunch of people send me before and afters of like their skills. It's just, it's tedious. It always reminds me of um, how, I don't remember who said the quote, but it was like, everybody like, everybody wants to play like Kobe. But if you watch Kobe work out, you would be bored as hell. So you yeah, just right. like, yeah. he would do like the same, like two moves, like a main move and a counter. He'd work on it for like 30 minutes and then he'd get another move and do that. We're like, it's just like, he's just doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's interesting yeah. how with your heroes, right? You see them play on court, you know, in performance, in competition. But you don't see like those hours and hours and hours and hours spent just like doing layups, owning in the basics, working drills. Yeah, it's, that all kind of happens like behind the scenes. It's sort of interesting, I guess, that people don't always get that. Exactly. So it sounds like your your blueprint um, platform is sort of built around sort of fundamental drills and training, like you were saying earlier, just to get kind of the get the fundamentals established, so you can then grow from there. For sure. And then from there, I mean, there are like specific sets, like you know, there's you know different categories it's like you know back to the basket scoring face-up scoring um you know drills for finishing in the rim drills for shooting stationary drills for shooting off the dribble drills for shooting off the move uh dribble handoff drills pick and roll drills then we also have complementary strength conditioning uh you know in the weight room strength conditioning at home strength conditioning so just giving kids um every opportunity to you know work on their game and hundreds of over a hundred dribbling drills. Like kids are always like, you're only limited by, you know, your thoughts and kids have been like, Oh, well, I don't even have a basketball. It's like, you can do the balance drills and the own strength conditioning drills. And I've sent a million kids basketballs. Like you need a basketball. I'll send you a basketball. Are you going to do the dribbling drills? I know that 80% of them, 90% of them aren't. Even if I send them a basketball, brand new, beautiful basketball, right. they still won't do it because it's hard work. Like, People want the instant gratification. They're like, I worked hard for a week. Why don't I have a Division One scholarship? I worked hard for a month. Why am I not in the NBA? And it's just like, like, you know, anything in life, if you want to be good at it, you have to grind for so long, so much longer than people think, so much yeah, longer sure. than people think. I, I think there's that new thing where <clears throat> I, I changed sports later in life because I got arthritis in my feet and switched to climbing. And when I got into that, 
initially. I was terrible. And it's so hard to come into a space and be terrible to support. But you just know, like, you got to just get through the suck part yeah. and just be bad and, and just keep working it for a long time until you get to a point where you're like, actually, I'm not I'm not the worst guy in the room anymore. Exactly. It's humbling, exactly. though. It is. And, and to, to plug what uh, John said about Blueprint Athletes, I mean, I, I you know, I was part of the team that built helped build that uh, with John. Um, it, he spent hours kind of crafting together a structured plan for a, anyone from beginners to advance and each drill kind of progresses on the next one, right? So you, you if you spend on an honest effort going through the guides and, and working on them weekly and then progressing to the next one, you know, as, as you get better uh, or as it becomes easier, the thing is things becoming easier just means that you can go even harder and make the drill difficult for yourself, right? So you could spend months and years with this one app and just keep getting better and better because all the resource, all the resources that you need to build your fundamentals are there. So I think you know, kudos to John for the vision there uh, and and you know putting it all together. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely my son just got into uh, basketball. He's playing rep in Ontario here. Uh, he's he's nine, so you know he. I didn't push him to it, but he kind of wants it wants to do it. I'm gonna show him the app and and have him try it out and see if he wants to put the time in. I know he might he might get lazy. But then I'm gonna I'm gonna give him your line, John, which is either change your goals or what was it? Either change your uh, habits or change, change your, your habits or change your goals. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's really what it is, and I mean it. And you can make the simplest drill difficult. Like I, yeah. I've had people, I get kids all the time that you know are like, "Oh man, this is too easy." Like I was like, "All right, I'm gonna take you through a 30 minute workout. We're not gonna do anything, but." We're going to do three stationary dribbling drills. We're going to do some basic layup drills. And then we're going to do some shooting drills. And I, I'll show them. I'm like, I'll show you me, a you know, professional athlete, former professional athlete. I can get this done in 20 minutes. I was like, let's see if you can get it done in 30 minutes. I was like, seems super easy. They're like, man, this is too easy for me. I'm like, you have to go at this pace. 45 minutes, 60 minutes later, they're still not. They're still in the shooting phase. They can't make three in a row for <laughs> mid-range. I'm just like, you think you're so much better than you are. I get it. But I'm trying to help you to understand that you can make the simplest drill difficult if you give yourself less rest, if you push yourself past your limits. People overthink it. They think they need these magical drills. You don't need these magical drills. You just need to rep the fundamentals and you need to be more efficient with it. You need to go faster. You need to push yourself harder. And then you need to show up every day. And then you need to show up every day. Or at least I tell kids, if you want to be like high level athlete, if you're not working out, if you're not working in your craft at least five days a week, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's it, yeah. it, in a productive way, you know, not just like in a nonsensical way, like a lot of kids get in the gym and just, you know, throw up some shots and be able to take a Snapchat or Instagram picture and be like, you know, in the gym today, it's just like, were you? What did you get accomplished today? Hey, you were in the gym. Yeah, you you were in the gym. It's like I'm super you're proud of you, but like, are are you gonna get better? So that structure is yeah. that's the hardest part to get kids to to buy into. But that's why we have to create these cultures when they're younger that makes it second nature. That's why European basketball is, um, you know, they're so much more fundamental sound, and they're making the strides that they are. That from a young age they're drilling this stuff, but they're also making it fun for kids and creating environments that allow kids to become extremely fundamentally sound, which allows them to build on that foundation earlier than American kids who a lot of 
times, you know, just struggle through until they're, you know, juniors, seniors in high school and then, you know, try to grow from there or never grow. Um, yeah. I mean, people have been saying it for years, but I think it's becoming more and more apparent just that the models that they use in Europe to develop these kids, which they used for a long time with like their, um, you know, their football, soccer, soccer yeah. um, programs, and they're just doing the same model for basketball. It's genius. Um, Right. And it's it's what we should do, and it's it's what I'm. It's actually what I do with like my younger kids, is just try to build them up in those ways. And I mean, they've been super successful. My young kids coming up are going to be my best kids because of the kids I got when they were the youngest. We got to you know set their foundations, and um, you know it's just it becomes second nature for them to work hard, and they're just so much more fundamentally sound at a young age than even their you know counterparts. Like I have a bunch of kids that are freshmen this year and almost all of them are going to be on varsity you know i wasn't even on varsity as a freshman um and it's just because they're extremely solid so, so speaking of that kind of basic that kind of training how did it look for you how did your training look for you when you were playing sort of at a competitive level what, what was that like your training um so like the training that we received in like college and on the pro, in the pros yeah um honestly super similar to Super similar to everything that's on Blueprint. Um, yeah. Uh, so I've been fortunate. I mean, I played for, you know, I played for John Beeline. I played for uh, Billy Donovan at University of Florida for grad school. I played for John Calipari for Dominican national team. He's Kentucky's head coach. Um, and then, you know, I played for some great coaches in the, in the pros. And that's the thing. Pros just do the simple thing at ex just – incredibly efficient level so you think you have to do all these like crazy shooting drills this and that honestly can you catch and shoot the ball extremely well you know can i pass and sprint to a spot uh, just in the most efficient manner possible and have my hands and my feet ready and then by the end of the shot by the time i'm going into the shot am i squared to the basket and landing with balance you know can i you know, pump, bake, and counter if somebody closes out too well and create enough space to get, you know, my mid-range pull-up off. Like, it's those little things. It's just mastering those little things and being extremely good at them that makes pros so good. So we didn't do any crazy drills on the college or the pro level. We did basically the drills that are on the Blueprint Athletes app, but we just do them 10 times better than you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You work them a lot. That we just work them and work them and work them and work them and work them. Yeah. Like, it's not rocket science, but everybody's looking for that shortcut. So, there are so many trainers out there that, you know, we're going to work on, you know, all this craziness. It's just like, you honestly don't need it. And 99% of kids are ready for it. Like, I tell kids all the time, man, I'll go into gyms and I'll be like, I'll just watch kids. I can just evaluate. I mean, just dribble around, shoot. Playoffs. Yeah. I can tell. Like I already know. I'll tell kids. I'll give you a thousand dollars right now if you can make ten layups in a row. No one guarding you. I'll give you a thousand dollars. I'll Venmo you. Nope. Nope. I've never had one. I've never had one of those kids that I've asked to do that. And there have been like over a hundred uh, over my twelve yeah. years of training kids. Not one kid has done it. Yeah. You know, and these yeah. are just and these are usually kids that are like, oh, this is too easy. You know, I'm not yeah, going yeah. to any kid. Like, there are certain kids I know will crush it, you know? They're, they're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> there are kids that, like, have to ability. there are kids that think they're really good, 
they're better than yeah. like the people around them, but they're yeah. still shaky. I'm like, just yeah. ten layups in a row. I'll, I'll give you a thousand dollars of my money right now. Not, I've never had one kid do it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they're just it's just the humility that you have to have sometimes, and just hopefully, yeah. like I said, it's a culture shift. It's something that we need to shift in America. We need better coaches at the youth level. I don't know if that means finding money to pay people because right now it's basically what I ran into, for example. I played on teams from second grade to high school where the coach was someone on the team's dad. And yeah, right. and mm-hmm. every single one of those coaches was horrible. They're all horrible. Okay. They yeah. they just yeah. they would play the kids they wanted to play, which usually were like the better kids. But yeah. Um sometimes they weren't. Like I tell my kids that a story one time when I was in seventh grade, and this is like, I was so close to quitting. Just like, I'd wanted to quit for years. I was so close to quitting. My head coach goes on a cruise for a weekend. And I keep in mind, I'm training the whole time. I'm practicing. I'm playing pickup. I'm doing all these things. I'm capable. So this coach goes on vacation. The assistant coach, I still know him to this day. Every time I see him, I always tell him, you know, I really appreciate this opportunity because it kept me going. He was like, I'm going to play John. Like, he's a good kid. He works hard. He never gets opportunity. (laughs) I averaged, like, 20 points a game for that tournament. And, you know, like, when, like, the water boy, like, those videos of, like, when the water boy gets in at the end of the season. Like, my team was like, oh, my God. It's, like, it's a miracle. Oh, my God. Like, John, so good job, buddy. And I'm just like, dude, I'm like, I work harder than all of you. I was like, I was like, your dad just doesn't give me any opportunity. And then two years later, you know, I'm like yeah. I'm the best player in our, you know, in our city. But yeah. it's just like it's it's a lack of opportunity sometimes. And it's just so frustrating that we have these toxic youth uh, cultures where it's all about winning and giving my kid more opportunity. And it's not just let's create a fun environment. Let's give everybody opportunity. And then in my mind. It's not until you get to the varsity level that it should be about winning. Like, until we get to the varsity level in high school, it should be about development and creating, like, a really, you know, fun, healthy environment. And then varsity, you still want a healthy environment, right? You still want to work on development, but it's about winning. Like, it's time to win now. So we're going to play our best player. But until then, you know, until you, like, literally to JV basketball, it should be about development, period, period. No one's getting recruited. Oh, man, let me see your JV basketball numbers. Let me see your freshman basketball numbers. Can you show me your sixth grade? That tournament that you played in Fort Wayne, Indiana, when you were in sixth grade, can I see the film for that? Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, it... Uh, shout think? out to Fort Wayne. <laughs> what do you shout think helped you have... What do you think helped you have that um, sort of that dedication to put in the time and, and do the work when you were younger? Was it like being a, from a sports family or um, just kind of something in you? Like I said, I mean, I was kind of forced into it. My parents won't let me play other sports. Um, okay. Yeah. So basketball <laughs> was the, the, the main sport. Yeah, my parents won't let me play other sports. And then my trainer and mentor was a basketball guy. And he was just like, just yeah. keep playing. Like, it's just keep playing. It's going to work out. Don't worry. Like, just trust me. Like it's, he's like, it's a shitty situation now, but it's going to play itself out. Yeah. It took like 10 years to play itself out. So like, that's a long time to wait for a kid. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. I, and then at, at 
some point it switched in my mind like I was like I just want to I want to prove all these kids that I've been playing with for so long wrong like I want to show them that it wasn't a lack of ability it was like a lack of opportunity um, and then I was like I, I want to play my goal was you know I want to play college basketball get my school paid for so that's the other thing my parents told me um, they were like Basically, if you don't, or like, there are a bunch of kids. We had, you know, five, five of us. And then we had a kid that lived with us during the school year only. So six kids in the house, plus my cousin who was in college. So there's seven of us in the house. And my parents were basically like, if you don't get a college scholarship, we're definitely not going to be able to pay for college. You're going to have to take out loans. And yeah, right. I was just like. I was like, that's motivation. So I was like, I'm, I'm gonna find a way to get my school paid for, and was fortunate enough uh, to get to that point. Yeah, to make that work. I think you mentioned you mentioned that it wasn't ability; it was a lack of opportunity. I think people need to make sure they don't confuse that with, you know, because there's a lot of people, as you mentioned, that think that they should get the opportunity, but the difference was you were putting in the time and the effort to get yourself ready for the time when the opportunity came. Right. So it, it wasn't just expectation of an opportunity without ever putting in the work so i think that 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 what you're drilling into your students right now and what you know the the thing that you put in i think that's worth pointing out oh no absolutely yeah it's a lot of kids go okay i'm not getting an opportunity either and it's like like, you never work on your game ever exactly even in middle school i was i was in the gym five six days a week for two hours a day working on my game Right. And I wasn't the most coordinated kid. I wasn't that tall yet either. So I had a lot to overcome. But yeah, I, I outworked all my teammates. It wasn't even close. Um, yeah. And a lot of kids just, I mean, it's just rare. I've only had, I have one kid I've ever trained that works as hard as I used to work. Um, and that kid is going to be amazing. Like he's, he could be, it, I don't know how tall he's going to be. I mean, even right now, I mean, the kid is just an absolute, I think he's sixth grade right now. I mean, there are games where he'll hit like eight threes in a game. He'll hit like 50 threes over the course of a tournament. I mean, the kid is just smart. He buys in. He's dedicated. He's, you know, um, his attention to detail is just, you know, great. But I mean, we've drilled it into him for, you know, years. And it's just second nature to him. But he's an absolute beast, beast of a kid. He's little too. Like he's always the littlest one on the floor, but just killing people. So it's possible, but it's it's so it's so rare to find kids that are willing to put in that kind Mm -hmm. of time. But I mean, if you're willing to do it, you know, it's you know, sky's the limit. I think I might (laughs) know your answer to this from what we've been talking about, but. For like some of these kids coming up, um, what may they not know about how some of the tough aspects of being a professional athlete? Like, what are some of the like the hard bits about being a professional athlete that they may not appreciate? You know, kind of gloss over the idea of it just being you know amazing, easy kind of thing. I I, I would just start with you know what we've been harping on. Yeah, it's it just takes so much to get there. Um, yeah. Like even playing at the the NBA level, um, it's so hard. Like going from the G League, like so. For example, 
almost 50% of rosters, um, the guys have played like in the G League. So, I mean, the G League is extremely competitive league. And even at that, the NBA is even more competitive. It's the smallest of the professional sports leagues in terms of like the amount of roster spots. Like, mm-hmm. it's. They, and when it's we talk 400, pro, 450 people, right? 450 people that can make it to the NBA any yeah. given year, right? Exactly. Um, out of, you know. In the world. <laughs> out of, you know, the 30, 40, 50 million people that play basketball. Um, right. Just in the U.S. Right. Or just in the U.S., sorry. Just in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. So it's just the odds of getting there. Because when we talk professional basketball, most people are talking NBA. There are so many professional yeah. leagues and so many extremely, um, you know, good, competitive professional leagues. But um, just the amount of time that, you know, people have to put in, um, people genuinely underestimate, you know, how, how difficult it is. And people, it, it's one of those things like, uh, you don't even you don't even realize how good the last person on a bench in the NBA is. It's like how <laughs> those people that video people like challenging Brian Scalabrini after he'd been retired yeah. for like two years and he beat them all and like out of like ten people only one of them even scored. Like, right. <laughs> and this is a dude who had been out of the NBA for two years and was like a role player. Um, you know what I mean? And it's like you have absolutely no chance. No chance. <laughs> you know, no chance. No chance at all. I mean, yeah, kids, it, it's tough for them to grasp sometimes. Even my players who have, like, gone on and played in college, like, they'll always come back and, like, challenge me to play. Like, I want to play one-on-one, blah, 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 blah. Like, dude, they, they almost never score. No one's ever even been close to winning a game. You know what I mean? It's just, it's hard. Like, I didn't even play in the NBA. The closest I got was... Um, a preseason contract with Milwaukee Bucks, and you like none of my kids could beat me if their life depended on it. Like, if your life depended on it, you could not beat me. Like, that's how hard it is. And I wasn't even a scorer; I was a defensive player. Like, I was a rebounder. You know, score some. Like, if you're open for a three, you can shoot it. Get a pick and roll. You know, some garbage buckets. Like, but for the most part, go rebound. Go contest shots, go dive on the floor, do the dirty work. Like I wasn't even a scorer. And you can't beat me. Like, you know what I mean? That's how hard it is. Like, that's how good they are. <laughs> like I try to get that through my kids' heads all the time. Because of oh well, you know, no, you know, I could play in the NBA. It's like, maybe. Can you beat me though? <laughs> I was like, not yet. Keep working, dude. I was like, it's keep working. It's possible, but you're gonna have yeah. to be better than me if you want to make it there. Yeah, but p- pardon the pun, but I guess as you've been saying this whole interview, it's like the blueprint is there though, right? Like it's what you need to work on is all there. There's no secret sauce. It's just a, a function of how much time and effort you're willing to put into your own game and develop your habits. And then, you know, obviously certain things have to fall your way. You know, opportunities have to come. You mentioned the cultures and things like that. But are you doing enough yourself to put yourself in a position where, you can succeed. Now, if it doesn't go your way, then you can, you know, blame external circumstances and, you know, let it go if that happens. But did you do enough? I guess that's the question that we don't ask enough as athletes, right? Did I put in enough time to warrant being playing at the level that I want to play at? Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. For sure. I mean, you're a hundred percent. The blueprint is there. 
unfortunately, I mean, there are players that some people are just so, if you look at 98% of people who are playing in like professional leagues, I mean, they're genetically, they're just, they have something that most people don't have. They're more athletic, they're taller. They just have something, especially on the NBA level. Like, unless you can get that, and then stay healthy on top of that and be in the right, right place at the right time. I mean, there are so many things that have to go right sometimes, and you can work your ass off and still not have a workout. Like, you know, I was 6'9", 250 pounds. Um, my, my last year in the G League, I had the best pick-and-roll defensive percentage, so people scored the least amount when I was guarding a pick-and-roll. And... I was, when I retired from playing, I was top five all-time in defensive rebounding percentage in the G League. And so I'm thinking in my mind, defending, rebounding, playing on teams and impacting winning at a high level for four years, that should be enough to give me a look in the NBA. And like Pistons brought me in for like workouts, like I said, Bucks had brought me in and stuff like that, but it still never materialized. You know what I mean? So you can work your ass off and it can still not work out which is what I tell kids all the time. Just because you work really, really hard doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to meet your goals, but you're going to gain a strength of character along the way, right? You're going to build relationships. You're going to build habits, right? You're going to get better. You're going to grow as an individual. So that is inevitable, but that you're going to be an NBA all-star, it's not inevitable, you know what I mean? Even if you work harder than everybody else in the world, Right. It still might not happen. Like the the six year I was telling you about, I told him I've told him a million times and I've told him for, you know, years. You could be the best shooter in the world someday. I mean, this kid can shoot the freaking ball like crazy. But if you only end up five eight, you know, it doesn't necessarily it'll be tough, yeah. it'll be tough to be in the NBA. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It'll be extremely difficult. The guys who have been under six foot in the NBA just incredibly fast, incredibly athletic, incredibly strong. And there's only been like a handful of them in history. The right. NBA's been around since, what, the 40s? So yeah. it's like, it's possible, but extremely, extremely difficult. But you could still be an amazing basketball player. You could still get your education paid for. You could still play professionally right. and make money. Right. Like, and, and take see care the world of family maybe. And see the world. Like, there are still, people just need to open up their mind. Like, so many people are like, yeah. D1, NBA, that's it. And it's like not <laughs> even close Clue, to the truth. Yeah. Not even close to the truth. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think we'll switch into, I think we're at, uh, almost at time. So we'll, we'll go into, um, uh, I guess, the last couple of questions. So first one, I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it will come across as repetitive again. But, you know, what is your pro tip for, you know, aspiring, aspiring players? Change your habits and change your goals. Um, oh, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to make a, make a sign of that up here behind me. Change your <laughs> yeah. habits or change your goals. I put John Horford underneath it. <laughs> Dude, it, it works for anything in life too. Like it's um, true. One of my best friends that I I made, who's our trainer, when we were at the drive, um, and he was like, he, he used to be like you know 400 something pounds, like just, and he's lost uh, hundreds of pounds. He's like, you know what? He was like, man, I used to make every excuse in the book. He was like, I would yeah. say it's my thyroid. It's because of this. 
so it's because I'm genetically right. predisposed. He's like, you know what? He was like, food's delicious. And he was like, and I had no impulse control. And I just ate and ate and ate. And then as soon as I said, it's your fault and not anyone else's fault. And, you know, started holding myself accountable. He lost hundreds of pounds. Like, it's hard sometimes to look in the mirror and be like, it's on me. It's the decisions that I'm making that are holding me back. But a lot of times, that's what it is. It's you. You know, and you can make that decision. And it's not easy. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, going into our final uh, rapid-fire round. Chris, you want to do this one? Uh, yeah, sure. So we got six six quick questions. Uh, no wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so favorite basketball player? Oh, man. Yeah, hard to pick one. All time, right now? All time. All time. Living or dead? <laughs> All time. There's only really been one basketball player I've ever kind of like, I don't want to say looked up to, but have just been kind of like enamored with-ish. Um, Will Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. Just a, a mythical creature, really. A mythical creature, yeah. He really is. He's just like a mythical creature, just incredibly yeah. athletic um, and prolific in so many different ways. Only big men to ever lead the NBA in assists. I mean, just... yeah. An absolute, absolute beast. All right. <clears throat> and favorite sneaker? I'm not really a, I'm not a sneaker guy. I don't <laughs> even know. Like, I don't even, I, I usually just wear bands. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know anything about sneakers. Yeah. How about um, your go-to pregame song? And no, I'm boring. I'm such a boring, simple person. I, I didn't even, I swear, I, I won't even listen to music pregame. What, what did you do pregame? Sorry, I know this is not part of the rapid fire, but like, what was your pregame um, prep? Um, take a nap, drink a smoothie or eat some fruit, watch some film, try to get some shots from game spots. And um, a lot of times, I'm, I'm more of like an audiobook person. So... Just I would listen to something that kind of, yeah. you know, mind. one of my go. I mean, go to is uh, big philosophy fan. So I would just listen to. I, would, I don't know. I'd listen to something from meditations or on the shortness of life, yeah. or you know, on discourses, or uh, even like Tao Te Ching. Like just listen to something like that to kind of just yeah. put everything in perspective. Like this game is not the world. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a game. It's not even right. it's not that big of a deal. In the grand scope of things. How about uh if you well, I mean you probably don't want to just pick one, but what's your favorite drill? My favorite drill just to keep it as painfully plain and basic as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just catch and shoot. Catch and shoot. Yeah. Let's just say just catch and shoot. We could even say like just catch and shoot with a contest. Like we have like one player underneath, one player ready to shoot from mid-range or three-point range. You pass it to them from underneath the basket and then you have to work on your closeout. Contesting the shot, another person has to get off the shot with pressure. So many people are like, you know, oh, that's too basic. That's too easy. I'm like, can you make five in a row from five spots mid-range, five in a row from five spots threes? in like 10 minutes or less, I was like, then it's not that easy for you. 
I'm like, yeah. keep working, but they don't, they're not consistent. They don't have their hands ready. Their feet aren't balanced. They're not holding their follow through. They're fading away, right? There's like a million different factors that you have to lock in on and be consistent with to be a really, really good shooter. No matter what your form is, good shooters shoot the same way almost every time. They're extremely consistent. They're very close to the same way. Yeah. It's the consistency. So then, that brings the next question, which I, I think I know what you might say. What's your least favorite drill? Anything that brings in a bunch of like factors that you don't actually run into in the game. I get that they're supposed to mimic games. So like when people are like, all right, slide this rip cone and pick yeah. up that heavy ball and then pass yeah. it midway through your rep and finish on the other side with the jelly left yeah. hand off the high glass. And I'm just like... <laughs> it's never going to happen in game. Picking that up because you want to emphasize, yeah. you know, the freedom of that offhand, and then you're you're trying to make this tough finish on the other side. I'm like, but here's here's the thing: we're not scoring. We're not trying to score tough baskets in basketball. You should be trying to score as easily as possible. So we can just score off catch and shoot and just straight drive layups. Easy basket. Let's do that. Why I complicate see, yeah. the game all the time? Like, yeah. I get being ready for the situations because they'll inevitably come. But <laughs> yeah. I would rather be amazing at what we get 90% of the time, 95% of the time, than constantly drilling what we get 5% of the time and then have people doing what should be done 5% of the time, 90% of the time. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. This was awesome. Uh, thanks, John. I, you know, if uh, people stayed with this interview after I called Michigan uh, Wolverines Wolves, <laughs> And, and made it this lost. far, I think they've they've kind of picked up a lot of good information <laughs> and just guidance of like being. Ho- hopefully, they didn't turn it off before you know they, they they got yeah. past the first minute. <laughs> I know that you know that. I, I promise you, I knew it was called the Wolverines. So. I think I was I just froze there, but you know that's my defense. <laughs> um, but this was this you know it was incredible. I think the philosophy and the the. The, the foundations that you're sharing around, you know, how to get better are applicable, not just in basketball. I think it's true for a lot of sports and a lot of endeavors, right? Drilling in the basics, sticking with the fundamentals. I think it, it hearing it from someone who's done it at a high level uh, and how you got there was uh, eye-opening about how much time and effort it t- takes to get there. Um, thank you so much for oh, your time. Appreciate you uh, really you, appreciated, uh, appreciated it. Um, yeah, yeah. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you guys.